This is MarTech Interviews, a podcast from DK New Media, publishers of MarTech, the leading publication for sales and marketing professionals to research, discover, and learn how technology is driving business results. Your host is Douglas Carr. Well, welcome everybody in another of our interview series. This is Douglas Carr of MarTech. And I have another in-house guest. This is a special guest, uh, uh, another special guest, uh, Randy Stockland from One Click Ventures. Randy, welcome. Thank you, Doug. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. And uh, Randy and his wife, Angie, founded One Click Ventures and Randy's CEO of One Click Ventures. Um, you know, for everybody out there, explain what One because One Click is kind of hidden in the background, right? <laughs> it's an umbrella. Yeah, so OneClick is a parent company that owns and operates three e-commerce eyewear brands, Readers.com, Sunglass Warehouse, and Felix and Iris. Readers.com sells uh, reading glasses in the value space, so price between $10 and $20. Sunglass Warehouse sells sunglasses in the value space, price between $10 and $20. And then Felix and Iris sells prescription glasses starting at $119. Okay, fantastic. And and um, and and these are now you made the move to just glasses over the last few years. Correct. Yeah, we we com- we started that we started that transition in uh, late thirteen and completed it by the end of twenty fourteen. What made you focus like that? There there were a number of of reasons. Uh, one is that the. Um, the, the multi-brand model in multiple categories, product categories, was becoming challenging to scale from a marketing perspective. So we, we were very transactional in nature. We weren't really focused on building consumer brands. Yeah. And so um, we, we felt like the, the, the better long-term play was to leverage our brands and uh, and, and in doing so, we could not only provide a better experience for our customers, but better have a better have a stronger platform to scale the business. Nice, yeah. And, and uh, for everybody listening, I am a customer of Readers.com, and I and, and it's really funny because the first time that I put on reading glasses was was uh, you know I was at some some store and I put them on and I was like, oh my gosh, I can I can read my phone now. <laughs> and and then I thought, you know, and then you said, hey, we got readers.com. And I went there and shopped and I bought a few glasses and I was thinking to myself, you know, that would be it. It would be a one-time purchase. And uh, what, what they don't tell you is when you're buying reading glasses, it's pretty much every month you're buying <laughs> reading glasses. That's, Doug, that's exactly <laughs> what our team likes to hear. <laughs> and it's because I leave them everywhere you know and every once in a while i do a roundup and find like 12 pairs in the house and put them all in a basket but but reading glasses are those things that you're you're constantly taking them off so you're constantly leaving them at a meeting or leaving them you know in a bathroom or leaving you just wind up losing them everywhere so i love the fact that you've got a one a great selection and really affordable selection out there because i feel like readers reader glasses are you know there's there's uh, i've had to you know, run to Walmart and get the cheapo cheapos, but they're terrible, right? You know, and the quality of yours are 
are you know the same quality as if i bought the high-end ones so yeah, <laughs> so, we're, yeah. we're really happy with the price to quality ratio we're able to offer yeah. and, and you commented on selection that's a big huge big difference and it, it's it's much different than going you know shopping on readers.com is much different than going to walgreens or cvs yeah. where the selection is very limited yeah and for and, and i i didn't mean this to be a commercial but seriously like if you order now you, you'll get them so quick too. I mean, I've gotten them the next day before. You guys have said it'll be two or three days, and I've gotten them the next day before. So I, I'm, I'm a huge fan. Thank so. you. I've never unsubscribed. I, <laughs> <laughs> Good. That's you are the you are the ideal customer. So we appreciate your business. It's because I know I'm gonna run out. Um, one of the reasons why I wanted Randy on the show was because from an e-commerce standpoint. Uh, Randy, we talked before the show, Randy has been in this space for 12 years and I think there's been dramatic change in that time, you know, that, uh, I think, you know, back when you first started the e-commerce implementation was a significant undertaking, right. You know, to build out a cart and integrate with, with, um, you know, credit cards. That was, that was a huge investment for a company, right? So this, this will date me. But our, our first e-commerce platform was Yahoo Store. Wow. Which wow. is no longer in existence. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you're familiar at all with the Yahoo Star, Store platform, but it was a proprietary language called RTML. Oh, wow. So when we purchased the store, uh, my background's in software engineering, but I, I didn't have the time. We had Angie and I, my, my wife Angie and I, who co-founded the business together, uh, I mean, we had we had plenty of other things that needed our attention and, and software development wasn't very high on the list. Yeah. Uh, so finding, finding competent developers to help us make changes to the store was challenging because, because Yahoo used this proprietary language. Uh, so once we, once we decided that we needed to move away from Yahoo store, like to your point, finding, finding a reliable platform to technology platform to build the business on was difficult yeah so we ultimately settled on x cart yep. Uh, yep and and we still and that was a that still was a, incredibly popular right yeah it's yeah. it's very similar to magento which yep. is which is i think gained more enterprise level adoption uh but we've been we've been really happy with x cart now it's we've we've upgraded to new versions over the years we've highly customized the platform uh, but we continue to run x card and we're really happy with the platform that's awesome and and now you know uh, if you implemented Xcart today and <laughs> twelve years later it would be a totally different experience, right? You know that because of the support for modules and plugins and everything else, right? We would likely start with a platform like Shopify or BigCommerce, where there are a number of modules that are easy to plug into the platform, whether it's your ESP or um, whether it's a shipping solution. Those, yeah. those, that the, the shop, the the idea of a Shopify or big commerce just wasn't, yeah, wasn't around in 2005 when we started OneClick. The the platforms that were available didn't have a lot of plugins that were uh, readily available, and and there was still a fair amount of custom coding that needed to take place. I love that you're a guy with a software background and you're pointing to off the shelf solutions. I mean, I think that's. And, and is it because your focus needed to be on e-commerce, not, you know, the technology aspect that if, if you were going to invest time and effort, where would it best be placed? 
Yeah, we've we've always we've always looked at the business and said, hey, what are our core competencies? And one of them is not software development. So we always start with uh, buy as opposed to build. Yeah, and we have built our own solutions in house for a number of things over the years. But sure. our default position is to always buy. That's awesome. I I I think nowadays you just can't. You know, sometimes you just can't match. The development that's already been done out there you know that that um you know even going back to a, a common theme for a website you know there's these themes out there that you can get for 29 dollars that literally have half a million dollars worth of development behind them and and i you know sometimes customers um you know or, or prospects and, and customers are like well we want a custom theme and i'm just like oh my gosh no you don't <laughs> You really want something out of the box because it's going to provide a lot more flexibility to you uh, in the long run and and even a short run. Well, let's talking about e-commerce. So so um, three e-commerce sites uh, with all in the same family. So that's that's good. And that and that's uh, again, I wanted to bring Randy in here just because um, the expertise there. Over the last 12 years, how have you, how have you, we've talked about technology, how have you seen the market change? You know, that, that when you're actually selling, um, you know, where are people going to buy and, and how are you getting found online? Yeah, great question, Doug. So uh, I'll break this into three parts. I think one of the, one of the major changes that, that has occurred over the last 12 years is Amazon. Yeah. So Amazon had a significant presence in e-commerce in 2005. I think everyone's aware of that. But the amount of market share they've acquired over the last 12 years has been, it's been remarkable. Yeah. And they continue to, they continue to, to grow the brand. So that is, uh, that has been one change that has, I think, forced all retailers to think differently about their businesses. So that's been, that's been one thing that, that we've certainly kept a close pulse on for yeah. obvious reasons. Second is the search landscape. So the search landscape, when we started the business, you could you could spin up a site, build some backlinks yeah. within within six to nine months, have strong rankings. Search landscape wasn't wasn't overly competitive at that right. at that stage. It wasn't all that mature. Uh, so there was there was a fair amount of low hanging fruit. Right. And that's not the case today. I mean, yeah. Google, you know, starting in the 2012-2013 timeframe, uh, went through a series of algorithm updates, and that's made um, I think that's made search marketing, at least on the organic side, uh, more complex. And it's 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 for it's forced, and this has actually been a very good change, but it's forced retailers to focus on building strong brands. Yeah. and delivering an incredible experience to their customers. I love those that. Are, those are the brands that are winning online. It's not about how how quickly you can build uh, yeah. links that, in the grand scheme of things, aren't aren't very valuable. Yeah, I I think you're nailing it. I I tell people now that um, you know it used to be that marketers would go hire an SEO person. Now it's almost that you need an SEO person to go hire a marketer. Yeah, <laughs> you know it's the reverse has happened. That you need to understand we're back to understanding customer behavior and, and consumer behavior. And that's, and that's the way to win the race long term. I do think it's unfortunate though, that you can't spin up a site. Right. And uh, like, you know, we have a, we have a client right now that, 
a brand new product that they're bringing to market and they're having a heck of a time, you know, because they have no domain authority, no history, you know, so they're spending a ton of money on public relations to, to, you know, to get the word out there. And, uh, and I often think like, you know, it shouldn't be that hard, you know, it shouldn't, you know, if there was some verification scheme to, to identify that you're not a spam site, that you're not a, that you're a legitimate business launching, you know, um, but it's, it's a, it's, you're right. Search is a tough road on the, on the Amazon side. Now, are you selling, um, Amazon, I'm guessing is both a competitor and a partner for you. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. yeah. Am- Amazon is a, uh, yeah. A- Amazon is a, is a, is a competitor. Yeah. Uh, they are, uh, with their, with their, you, you just mentioned domain authority with their domain authority. They, uh, they carry a lot of weight yeah. when it comes to organic search. So that's something that we're always mindful of. But on the flip side, they help us move merchandise. Yeah. And now today it's only around 5% of our business. Oh, that's good. It's yeah. growing, yeah. but it's only 5% of our business. Uh, so we, we are, we're constantly having internal discussions around how much we should actually invest in Amazon because right. we don't own the customer. Right the customers that are acquired through Amazon, Amazon does. Right. And so when we, when we think about our brands, uh, customer lifetime value is one of our key metrics. And so you can, for, for the most part, take that off the table when it comes to Amazon or any third party marketplace like Walmart or Sears. I, 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 think you know this is anecdotal of course but if i order off of amazon sometimes i don't even know that it's coming from a third-party company and then i get a note from that third-party company that says hey how was everything and i'm who are you you know i don't even realize it because it's amazon definitely kind of downplays you know the third-party approach it looks like it's coming from amazon it's part of prime or whatever you know so you don't even realize that it's a third-party selling there sometimes and i think for the for as you said for the e-commerce provider that's scary you know because you do want you know you guys have worked hard at building a brand and building great customer service you want that to be front and center with your client so that they know that they can call up you know readers.com and talk to somebody rather than go to amazon and put a crappy review right mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah. which which can be devastating you know to a brand you mentioned you mentioned walmart and that's an interesting thing because it looks like the the war is about to really take off now between walmart and amazon um you know we've ordered off of walmart.com and they have a really nice great interface good fast shipping, free shipping. Um, are they doing the same play? Are they going to partner up with, or are you a partner with Walmart to sell things through their, through their e-commerce? We are the Walmart marketplace has been available now for, I, I could have this wrong, but I, I believe it's been available for over two years. Oh, wow. So we've been selling on the Walmart platform. I mean, it's a fraction of the revenue that we generate through Amazon. Yeah. Uh, but we are selling on Walmart today. Yeah. And, and I, I've just been reading where they're really trying to take it up a notch. And I think they're going to have to. <laughs> the, 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 the strategy they seem to be... Uh, the strategy they seem to be employing there is really interesting. They, they seem to be uh, attacking Amazon by developing and acquiring these, these category killers. 
So they, uh, they've acquired Mod Cloth. They've acquired, they recently require, acquired Bonobos. Wow. They acquired, um, let's see, uh, of course, Jet.com, which yeah. was their first large acquisition into the e-commerce space. Uh, and they've made, they've made a couple of other Moose Jaw. You may be yeah. familiar with them. Yeah. Uh, so they've made a number of acquisitions, and they seem to be building, uh, they seem to be, be building, uh, trying to build value through these, these category killers, which is a really interesting way to attack Amazon. Yeah. Because if you look at the Walmart site and you look at their, their audience and demographics, it's, it would be very difficult for them to compete head-to-head Right with Amazon right. as Walmart.com, so they're building this this family of brands in a way to uh, kind of a, come in and, and attack Amazon from the side. So I'm really interested to see how this strategy plays out long term for them. And with the Jet.com transaction, they brought on Mark Lorry, who was the former uh, founder of Quitsy, yep. who sold to Amazon, and now so he and then he along with his I think some of the the folks from Quitsy launch jet.com okay so one of the drivers based on everything that i've read uh, from that for that transaction the jet.com transaction was to bring talent e-commerce and retail digital talent into walmart yeah so it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out over the next five or six years well it's it's got to be good for you know the the e-commerce you know, the non-giants, you know, the folks like you that are running a, a significant size, you know, company, um, you need people competing for you too, <laughs> you know, and having only one player kind of be the giant out there, like you, that's a little bit scary, you know, so it'll be great when we have a family of giants that are distributing and they, they want to work out better deals with you or maybe put you front and center or, you know, or promote your brand even more, you know, like Walmart's doing with these ones. I think, I think that's, uh, I love competition, right? You know, competition is good for everybody. But yeah. yeah, and if and if you look at the retail landscape, how many companies have the infrastructure and balance sheet to to compete with Amazon right. in any form or fashion? It's Walmart. Yeah, they're absolutely. really the only um, they're really the only player based in the U.S. that has the balance sheet and infrastructure to to make it interesting. Yeah, um, curious to get your thoughts. The EU just zonked google uh google shopping i think you know uh the biggest fine in history or whatever but it was basically that um in the eu they basically said it was monopolizing you know search results that google shopping was placing its own you know uh own items above you know folks like amazon or anybody else is google shopping you know a significant play still nowadays or i mean is there a lot of uh, a lot of commerce buys coming off of that. Google Shopping is a, is a small percentage of our overall revenue stream, but it's an important one. Okay. And one thing our team has has realized over the years that organic space in Google is never going to increase. Yeah. Like it seems to always be decreasing. So we this was five years ago. We said, hey, as 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 a business, as we go forward building our brands we cannot rely on we cannot rely on google yeah early in the business we leaned heavily on google i mean at one point it was like 75% of our overall revenue wow and we have cut that down dramatically and so now it's it's probably 20% of our revenue or less 
Oh, that's awesome. And that was that was that helps you sleep at night. <laughs> that helps me sleep at night because we we don't. I mean, we don't control the. We don't control the rules at Google. We could wake up one morning and find that they've made a change to the SERPs. They've made a change to the AdWords platform. So we want to follow the rules, and we want to do our best to take advantage of the opportunities that are given in organic and paid search, but we're not going to base our entire business around Google. Uh, that's fantastic. And and let's talk about that. So 80% of your business, you know, basically that, that you're able to imp- – you know, impact yourself, you know, what, what is the importance of, you know, uh, I'll say three things, you know, email marketing, social media marketing and ratings and reviews, you know, are those, are those continuing to grow or shrink or, you know, how do you feel about those? So for us, we, uh, email, email is a, is a, is a, is a big part of our marketing mix. Uh, We've started uh, social media. The organic side of social has never proven to be a like significant revenue contributor, but we yep. feel it's important to take care of our customers and just overall brand building. I, lo- I love that you said that. That's another one that Mark Schaefer kind of threw a, a bomb out the other day, you know, and he was talking about um, companies investing in building these they call them communities, you know, and he just said that, you know, a lot of, uh, uh, and I'm not, I don't want to get what he said wrong. People should go read his article. So I'll put my spin on it, but I think there's a, there's a tough, there's a tough road there, you know, that, that, um, when I think about social media, I think about my network of people, which is dynamic and different and everything else. And when I think about the companies that I work with, it's hundreds of different brands and you know that that i work with so for me to join let's say a community of reading glasses (laughs) you know people is a far spin and so i i I think what you're seeing i think a lot of people are realizing and that's that social media is an incredible place to network build customer service and everything else but not necessarily the conversion you know factor you know or the biggest definitely not the biggest conversion factor correct yeah Yeah, and we early on uh when we were uh looking at like some of the social media platforms like Twitter and Facebook, uh, as those platforms were emerging, we said, hey, can we, uh, can we build out a defendable business case for this on the P&L? Like we invest X and we get Y out. Yeah. And we finally realized that's not what organic social is about. Now, there are paid social right. opportunities like Facebook, you know, sponsored advertising. And now almost all every social channel has some form of paid advertising. So we certainly take advantage of those opportunities, but on the organic side, it's it's about it's about community building and yep. taking uh, amazing care of our customers. I love it. I love it. I important message out there, everybody. <laughs> you can't underline that invoice. <laughs> no. What I think I think it's such an important factor for people to realize. We uh, another another friend of mine, uh, you know, recently got laid off uh, from a social media you know, management job. And they, they basically turned this, turned the clock backwards and turned it back into a customer service team and everything else. And, and the reason why was because 
it was all about customer service. It wasn't social media was just another medium, another outlet, you know, for people to communicate with, but they really wanted to take it back to, Hey, it's not about likes and, you know, and everything else. It's about literally listening and being able to be responsive to customer needs. And that's where they were seeing the most impact. That's, that's, that's a great insight for people, you know, that, that are looking to build, you know, an e-commerce online, which I think, is everybody nowadays, right? Almost everybody's selling something online, it seems. Now, one part of social media that has uh, proven to be valuable for us is so it is around influencer marketing. Yeah. That isn't, that isn't new by any means, right. but we've been able to leverage uh, social media influencer marketing this year more so than any other year, uh, and we've, we've, we've had some success with it. Yeah. So. I, I tend to think that's going to be uh, part of our marketing mix long term. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's it's funny on the other side of the table with like marketing and technology as an influencer. What I'm always making sure is that I don't violate the trust of my audience. You know, so when people come to me, uh, I, you know, I I think I probably maybe ten percent of the offers I get I actually commit to. And a lot of that is because if the offer isn't up to kind of standard and I have to think of, you know, is, is anybody one, is anybody really going to go buy this, you know? And then two, is this a company that I really want to do business with, you know? And, and so for e-commerce folks out there, you know, I think the same questions like influencer marketing before was clout score, right? If you had a high clout score, which meant you had a billion followers, but that's not necessarily it anymore. An influencer is really someone who might have a really niche following, core following that is really trustworthy, that converts higher. And so I always give the example that, um, you know, and let's say in e-commerce, you know, if it was shoes, you know, you might have someone that has a, a million followers, but they're not necessarily influencing, you know, people's purchase decision on shoes. Whereas maybe you have someone that focuses on, um, you know, a niche of work boots, you know, or work clothing, you know, and, um, and, and so they're a Duluth trading company, <laughs> you know, type thing. Well, there, you know, if they talk about boots, they're going to talk about specific types and they're going to have great influence on a purchase decision. And so I think the, where I'm going with my babbling is that influencer marketing has really transformed over the years too. And that's that they used to be just, do they have a huge following? Now it's, really do they have influence in this specific area of purchase and i think that's why e-commerce is starting to see that you know kind of come to light and the tools right now influencer marketing tools are starting to add conversion tracking in them which i think they avoided for a long, for a long time but now you'll actually be able to see whether you know a tweet sent out by somebody actually attracted somebody through to a purchase which i think is an incredible step forward yeah, I totally agree. And and from our team's perspective, we want to work with high quality influencers that yeah. we feel rep will represent each of our brands well. Yeah. So that's absolutely. important. It's not it's it's not it's about quality and not quantity for us. Yeah. We want to make sure we, we work with really um really strong influencers that uh, are excited about the product and, and they're their audience will be excited about our product as well. Yeah. And, and they own that audience, you know, so, so it's, you know, and uh, I think there's, there's this weird thing where, um, 
some people don't want to share their audience, but if you can provide value to them, why not? You know, I mean, that's a, it's a great win-win. It's like having you on the show. It doesn't cost me anything to have you on the show, you know? And if we, let's, let's go through those brands again. If we send someone to Felix and Iris <laughs> and that's Felix and Iris.com. Correct. Yeah. And then we send someone to readers.com and then sunglass warehouse. I knew I was going to sun sunglasswarehouse.com. Um, that didn't cost us anything. <laughs> no, did not. <laughs> but you've provided incredible value to our audience uh, from an e-commerce standpoint. Um, the, amazing conversation. So we've talked about technology. Uh, I think your focus on customer experience is an incredible lesson for anybody here listening. Anything else you want to add? The customer experience piece is closely linked to our team member our team member happiness. So we always, we always say internally that uh, happy team equals happy customers. So nice. we've invested uh, in, in culture over the years and making sure that we have the right people in the right seats and the teams aligned around a common, a common mission and a set of values. So that's a really important piece that oftentimes I think gets overlooked when, when you look at really strong service companies most in most cases, those companies have really strong cultures, and we've worked really hard to make sure that we take care of our team members first. And if we take care of our team members, we believe that our team members will take care of our customers. That's awesome. And how much? Uh, I'm curious, how much autonomy do they have to correct customer issues? You know, do things ever get, have to get elevated, or do they pretty much know? You know, here's the boundaries that you guys can work within. We have very few boundaries when it comes to taking care of our customers. So the folks on the customer happiness team, that's our customer service team. Yep. Uh, those folks have a, have a ton of autonomy to make sure our customers are happy. That's, that's, uh, I love hearing that. It's, it's so. pretty much do whatever it takes to make yeah. a customer happy. Um, I mean, within reason, there sure. always, there's always some boundary that you have to set, but generally speaking, we, we do whatever we possibly can to make, make sure our customers are happy. You know, uh, I want to close this out by saying one thing. One of the great things about e-commerce that I love is whenever I'm talking to an e-commerce professional over, let's say, a, 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 a content marketer, is e-commerce professionals absolutely analyze everything they're doing, you know, because the margins are thin and they have to make sure that whatever they invest, they're getting a result on. And I wish that the rest of the industry... <laughs> <laughs> adopted that same practice. So um, I love hearing, you know, as you were speaking, almost every single answer you gave, you said, well, we analyzed that. The ROI was there. And so obviously having a happy team, you know, is right there as well. So Randy, I can't thank you enough for coming down today. I think the spectacular conversation and for anybody listening, um, again, uh, well, One Click Ventures is out there and that's the, the umbrella for uh, sunglasswarehouse.com. Uh, readers.com, which, uh, as an old guy, I'm a, I'm a big fan of. And then of course, Felix and which is a unique site as well, um, for getting your prescription glasses, right? Correct. Yeah. And, and, um, before I go, you should tell people about Felix and Iris a little bit, cause I think it is a unique concept. Yeah. So if, if you're looking for a pair of prescription glasses, we, we offer a fit kit where you can order your uh, the glasses that you like on the site. 
you can you can have those delivered uh, in, in you can have four of those delivered at home free of charge free shipping both ways so you can try on and find a pair that that fits you well and that you're really excited about and then you send your fit kit back in you select the pair or pairs that you like to purchase and we will have those to you in typically five to seven business days that's awesome that's incredible uh well thanks again randy i appreciate you coming down sir yeah thanks a lot for having me doug the MarTech Interviews podcast is recorded at DK New Media's state-of-the-art podcast studio at the Speakeasy in downtown Indianapolis. Subscribe at martech.zone. Sponsorships and marketing services are available through dknewmedia.com.